and welcome to the podcast, You're Having Tea with Alice. This week's episode is a solo podcast, which is to say me talking to a wall uh, until I run out of steam and uh, I had a run at this last night and it was just nonsense. Just rambling, rambling nonsense. Maybe I will put it up for um, Patreon subscribers or something like that, but it probably should not be something that exists in the world. So I put out a call on Twitter for people to ask me questions and I have received a flood of questions and I'll try and answer as many of them as I can in as as well as I can. So before I do that I want to do the normal intro which is to say thank you everybody who emails me. I've had some really lovely emails particularly at this turn of year time and uh, I just feel incredibly lucky to have as my listenership, people who are thoughtful, engaged um, and kind. I haven't had any negative or unpleasant mail from the Tea with Alice listenership. I think that's really phenomenal and definitely in the current climate, incredibly unusual. I don't know, there may be some silent assholes who are listening to this podcast, but um, as far as I know, as far as I've encountered, everyone um, has been just lovely. I want to say thank you everyone who's subscribing to the Patreon and uh, who has requested topics. Um, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you can ask me to, um, I think it's at the $5 a month level, you can ask me to write something to your request. I'm not sure if that's the correct level, but the, one of the levels lets you ask me to write you something. And uh, I recently put up one on infidelity, so if you want to have a look at that. It took me a while to get round to because it's such a fraught topic. But I have actually finally put something together on that. So there's that up on the Patreon. Um, thank you, everybody who's subscribed and who comments and who engages there. You can subscribe without um, paying or you can do various different levels. I'm sure you know how it works. Um, thank you, everyone who's been buying merch over Christmas. I have a few things that have been... Um, that I put up on the website and um, some of you have bought it, including someone who proposed to their partner uh, using one, my one my necklace, uh, which is which says, we're all going to die, no one's going to die. And I just feel incredibly thrilled that that's something that has happened, um, that I was at least, um, if not, you know, some sort of help in, in bringing two people together, even if it was just greasing the wheels. Um, so... What else? Various things have been happening in the news. I will not talk about Aziz Ansari until I have a chance to do it with Tiff Stevenson um, because I I think she and I had that very interesting conversation about consent a few weeks ago and this is a new wrinkle in that, you know, in that news narrative is what you would call it maybe. I don't know. Uh, just as a general point about it, I think there are a lot of people who are on both sides using this as another front in an ongoing war in which it is more important, it seems to be more important for a lot of people to win battles, individual battles, to the point where it doesn't seem as though they want the war to end at all. The, the, the battle itself is the victory. It's more important to win than it is to change the status quo. Uh, for both sides in this, there's a sort of a bad faith engagement in war. If you can, if, if such a thing can be said, like if you are using the war analogy, it's like going to war, but without actually wanting to beat the other side because you want the other side to exist because you need to keep having these battles in order to keep propping up your idea of yourself. 
that's something that I've been seeing or that's something that I feel is happening. I don't know what the solution is. Um, I don't know if it is actually a thing. It's something that maybe is just my individual perception, but let me know what you think. Uh, well, okay, so I'll get on with the premise of this, which is answering questions. Um, a lot of people have just given me lovely compliments, which is nice. Uh, but, oh, here we go. Um, Prashant uh, says on Twitter, have you tried chai? I mean, tea brewed the traditional Indian way with milk and spices. And how do you pair the tea with your guest? Is the pairing deliberate and meaningful? I would like to think so. Um, well, Prashant, I have tried chai brewed the traditional Indian way. It is very lovely. Um, although if I drink too much milk, I start to feel a little bit queasy. So I tend not to drink milk. Um, but obviously I have um, drunk milk before in my life and I will again. And chai is very good. In terms of uh, pairing the tea with my guest, I will tend to uh, choose a tea for myself um, that fits the mood that I want to achieve. So very often it's green tea um, and often Japanese green tea because for me... Um, makes me feel calm and relaxed and insightful but other times if it's later in the evening I might go a rubos if it's earlier in the morning I might go a black tea of some variety or some strain I, I let my guests choose their own tea um, although if we're somewhere where they're not sure I'm happy to offer suggestions I'm hardly a tea expert I'm more of a tea fan um, I hope that answers your question um, Occasionally I do come across somebody who will not drink tea, in which case uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but I'll ask them what they're drinking and usually ask them why. Uh, why they don't like tea, what's wrong with them as people. What's, I mean, how can you not like tea? It's just hot water with uh, frills. <laughs> the, I mean, I don't know. Unless you don't like heat or water or flavour because... What is tea except anything that you put in hot water, including a bath? I'm uh, currently drinking a very nice uh, gyokuro tea, which was sitting in the bottom of a suitcase for like six months, but hasn't seemed to have lost flavour, so that's good. Um, what else? Here's another question from Glenn on Twitter. I won't, I won't say your last names because I don't want to... Um, expose you I, I didn't ask if if I could so I'll just give it leave it to first names Glenn says nature of empathy in humor <clears throat> you seem to have buckets of empathy oh thank you and I think it's a hallmark of the folks Andy invites as bugle co-hosts but humor seems to require a certain sharpness in self-observation and observation of others Yes, I think this is true. Uh, I think it depends what your approach to comedy is. I think... Um, uh, there, there are two angles on that. On like net, Comedy, by definition, is deconstructive because you are observing the world, you're taking it to pieces, you're putting it back together. Again, even sort of joyful comedy is observing and analysing to a certain degree. Buckets of empathy, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think uh, I certainly don't do comedy in order to wound people. I don't get a thrill out of that. 
But I think that I am interested in taking apart sort of the world and why people do things. Hate the sinner, not the sinner. Hate the sin, not the sinner, isn't it? That that, that that's the Christian thing. Um, I think it's probably more on that approach. Maybe, maybe I feel like observation or analysis gives people an opportunity to notice things about themselves or fix things about themselves, rather than feeling personally attacked as a way of dealing with a problem. I've always found humour is a nice way to do it. It's certainly an easier thing to, to a, uh, certain, certainly an easier angle of approach to criticism is to make it funny and to make it kind um, and to emphasise to the person who you are criticising that they are, you know, you value them as a person and that this thing that they're doing is the bad thing, not them being the bad person, if that makes sense. I think comedy is, is about sharing. I think it's one of the, one of the reasons why... There's such a divide now in the audiences for humour um, because people don't want to share. They don't want to be on the same side. They don't want to see the other side as people. They don't want to accept that those other people are as good as them in any way. And I think when you're laughing with someone, you can't hate them. When you're laughing at someone, you can. But if you're laughing with someone, it's very difficult to hate them, which is one of the reasons why uh, charming people are so dangerous. I guess. So, uh, I hope I've answered that question. I haven't really put a format on this answering questions thing. I don't. There's no one to tell me if I've answered it sufficiently well, which is probably uh, an insight into my need to please. Just, I think I've answered it to my own satisfaction, maybe, coherently. I don't know. Um, Joel says, are there any differences in comedians slash promoters from Oz to ROTW? Also, what have you been wrestling with lately and what are you drinking? Um, thank you, Joel. There are some differences in comedians and promoters um, from Australia to the rest of the world, ROTW, I think. I'm guessing. I haven't seen that abbreviation before. Of course, Australia is has its own scene. It's not. Um, it's more like a dialect than it is a different language, I guess, in that the differences are minimal and you get the hang of them pretty quickly and instinctively. Um, there's maybe, maybe slightly more, uh, friendship groupery in Australia, cliqueiness, but again, that might just be because I have a closer knowledge of it. Um, it's a smaller country, so there is maybe some more of a sense of, um, that there isn't a huge market, so there's more, more of a sense of scarcity, I think, maybe. But equally, there's a lot of camaraderie. I can't, I can't tell you. I think every, almost every room and in a scene will have its own um, personality, and that depends on the room runners and on the people who are regularly invited. Um, Australia is a decent comedy scene, I think, compared to others. I don't think it's hugely better or hugely worse. So maybe the answer is no. There aren't really any differences. Of course, there are differences, but I don't think they are huge enough to be worthy of note or discussion unless I was talking to a promoter who made it their business maybe I hope that answers your question Joel uh, Dave says Vegemite or Marmite hashtag choices mm, come on as a question um, Vegemite or Marmite for what 
I imagine they have different qualities and values. My dad is allergic to Vegemite, makes him sneeze, so occasionally he, but he loves it, he loves Vegemite. Occasionally he'll just sit down and work his way through a piece of toast with Vegemite and sneeze very hard for a while, and it's very funny. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I imagine in that case, um, Vegemite, because it's funnier to me. Someone says, solo pun run. Oh, this is not the bugle. This is tea with Alice. But thank you for asking. I'm really glad that you like me on the bugle. Uh, Brett says, your favourite your favorite comics, thereby alienating everyone you don't mention. Uh, that's flattering to assume that they would listen to me. But uh, no, I, I won't list my favourite comics. I think I, I grew up on um, sort of 1066 and all that. Uh, that sort of British obscure stuff and uh, Monty Python and all of that kind of thing, which I don't think necessarily would stand up watching it now. A lot of things, a lot of comedy doesn't stand up the test of time, but if you if you can get in the mood for it, Marx Brothers, like, like uh, I think I think maybe my my sources for comedy are very old fashioned, but I did used to um, at university when I was. Waking up early, I did occasionally watch the Comedy Channel where there was a Stand Up Australia thing with Cam Knight hosting. So that probably dipped in there somewhere. Um, my favourite comics are in Australia, Laura Davis uh, and um, Cassie Workman and Will and... Now I'm just naming people I like as people. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. There are too many people and they're too good at their own things. It's like a Vegemite versus a Marmite question. It can't really be answered. They're good for different things, uh, which is to say Vegemite is good for people with self-respect. No, that's, you know what I mean. Okay, I'm moving on uh, from this question. Uh, I'm not going to answer that one. Was Fleece Navidad the best joke you ever wrote or was it Miss Alto? Neither of those is the best joke I've ever written. Um, but you'll have to watch my shows to see or you can download The Resistance on my website. Yes. Uh, Self-promo. Woo. Um, Tom says, you and Helen Z are both ace on the bugle. <laughs> Another bugle question. Uh, how do you like your steak cooked and favourite flavour of crisps? I don't know. I don't know that I can answer that. Don't, again, I, I, like asking me my favourite things is a bad is a bad um, a bad angle of approach. I don't think I'm um, confident enough in my own opinions to have favourite. And also, you know, tastes change and it depends on the mood and all of that kind of thing. Um, Lee Lewuxter, hello Lewuxter, says. Uh, I've just listened to the podcast on consent. It was really good, but could have been 10 times as long. I don't think anyone would have downloaded if it were Lewuxter, but thank you. Uh, one tangent, which could have taken a good couple of hours, is that for teenage boys, what advice would you give them as they approach adulthood? Thanks. Thank you for asking that question. That's a really interesting one. I think I really like teenage boys because they are at that sort of cusp of of becoming you know confident people or unconfident people they're sort of in this midway liminal stage and I'm always interested in that they're sort of overconfident and loud and smelly and squeaky and awful but I find teenage boys very charming because they're very earnest as well they believe 
they believe in themselves um, and they haven't been jaded by the world yet. But advice, I would say, um, is to have perspective on yourself as a human being in relation to other human beings. Treat your the people who you are attracted to um, don't owe you anything. So try and try and remember that. Um, and it is better to have no sex than it is to have bad sex. Really, it is. I think that's the only advice I have. I mean, there's a really good um, Dan Savage um, line of advice, which is basically, I'm going to abbreviate it, uh, but it's available online and you can find it in full, um, which is, you know, work on yourself. Just go to the gym, read books, become a person worth talking to, uh, save it up for later down the line because the people who are like doing great with the ladies and so on and so forth in high school are very rarely building sort of long-term personalities for themselves that will uh, be useful later down the line. And if you work on yourself and you, you know, try to make sure that you're, you've, you've educated yourself, you've, you're looking after your body, you're looking after your mind, you're looking after the relationships you have with the people who are close to you, your friends, your family, then love and sex and all that stuff will be easier, will be better, and if it doesn't happen, you'll still be happy. So you don't have that desperation that is such an unattractive and unpleasant thing, that fear uh, that can make men behave in completely insane ways, and women too, obviously. But this is advice for teenage boys, so that would be my advice. Just as as a rule of thumb, look after your mind, look after your body, look after the people around you, and the rest will take care of itself. Um, I hope that's answered your question. Uh, the Wookster, I assume you're a parent of teenage boys. Good luck. Good luck. I hope they are still um, talking to you because I hear that sometimes they go monosyllabic for years and years. Uh, the man in the hat says, if there, or asks, I guess, if there were one simple rule that everyone should start following for a better world, what would it be? I mean, if I knew that, I'd start my own religion, man, that, the one rule religion. Uh, but I think uh, treat people like people is probably my little rule of thumb. Um, is just remember that the people around you are human beings. That's very difficult if you're in a crowd in a city to sort of acknowledge the individuality of every person around you. So that's obviously not what's going to happen like there's a shorthand but when you're when you're engaged with, with somebody in a conversation or a fight or an argument whatever it is you just just try to remind yourself that they are a human being and sometimes that's a depressing thing to realize but as a rule of thumb if not a rule that would i hope that answers your question man in the hat um someone is asking me a fishing question I don't know that. I assume it's an effort for uh, uh, fishing for puns, maybe. Uh, Bruce asks, how did you first start working with Andy Zaltzman? I seem to remember you and Helen Zaltzman guested on each other's podcasts some time ago. Was that the link? Uh, More or less, we sort of moved in the same circles, I think, Bruce. Um, Tom Wright, who was the original producer of The Bugle, moved to Australia to run the podcasting thing for the ABC, the podcasting department, 
And uh, so I think through Helen or maybe through some other thing or maybe just through the network, uh, he heard about my solo show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, came and saw it. Uh, we organised to do a podcast for the ABC and when Andy came out to do his show in Melbourne, um, he asked who were the happening people and Tom mentioned me and then we just started working together and it kept kept working. So I've been a fan of Helen for years and years and years and also of Andy. So I think it was just one of those things, a number of different angles, like that web bringing you slowly together, a number of people recommending us to each other and then it just happened and I'm very happy about it it's a really lovely thing to work with both Saltzmans they are wonderful people and really 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 good to work with people who are thoughtful and kind and funny very very funny undeniably very funny I hope that answers your question uh, Bruce it's not rocketry or Nick on says do you think it's possible to show more empathy to learn to show more empathy, or is it an innate thing, a finite amount we are born with, or can it increase? I think it can increase. I think it is a practice. I think some people maybe naturally have more sympathy, but I think that um, empathy is something that you can practice, yes. I think it's... I mean, I would think that that's sort of one of the premises of Buddhism. There's a Buddhist meditation practice uh, about loving kindness where you sort of start, the whole point of it is to practice. And um, it does seem to work, at least from my individual experience. So, yes, I think you can do that. I, I think also you can very evidently decrease empathy. I think we have a sort of a international cultural decrease in empathies particularly specific empathies um that's happening right now that you can watch happening so i think if it works in one direction it ought to be able to work in the other though i imagine it's harder to learn empathy than it is to unlearn empathy maybe i'm wrong but it seems like that's the uphill direction uh i hope that answers your question nick uh, ross asks no solo tea pun run the answer is no not here uh, but thank you for asking. And uh, then what else have we got? We have a few more questions from people. Can I be a guest on your podcast? I, I do get that question sometimes. Um, the answer is probably if you're an interesting person with some interesting ideas. If I don't know you, then maybe you want to uh, suggest what kind of things you talk about and what expertise you have. Uh, but... Um, yeah, feel free if you if you think you should be on my podcast or if you'd like to if you'd like to Skype with me. There's a layer on my Patreon, um, but uh, if you specifically want to be on the podcast, um, I cannot guarantee that. You might want to approach my management, uh, which is to say Andy Townsend or TGA in the UK or Andrew Taylor in Australia, and I can I'll see what I can do for you. I'll see what they can do. Uh, here are some more questions. Who is Sylvia? A few absurd questions. How about a bit of this is how I got started? You can too. How did I get started? I just started. Um, do you mean comedy or do you mean the podcast? Andy asks. I, um, Andy asks, I don't know. Um, this 
is a hard thing to say. I started doing comedy because my friends were doing it and then I was bad at it, so I decided I wanted to get good at it because I was used to being good at things and the things I was bad at, I didn't do. Um, and I thought I'd like to learn to be good at things uh, that I was bad at. I thought that was a good quality. <laughs> so that's how I started comedy. And the podcast I thought about for years and then I just did it. Um, John Robertson says, talk about that nice John Robertson, great guy. He's a great guy and a good comedian. Um, Hannah asks, do you ever miss lawyering? No. The answer is no, I do not. I don't. I, I wish I had been able to enjoy it. I think if you could enjoy that life, it would be a good life, but I did not enjoy it, and so I don't miss it. Uh, Hannah also asks what the story of my banjo is. My banjo is inherited from my mum. She was a very good banjo player, very good musician, and a very good poet all round, but... Um, that's that's why that's the story of the banjo, and uh, Charlie asks, "What is the what is the best biscuit to accompany tea?" It depends on what the tea. What are what are some good tea biscuit pairings? Um, Charlie, whatever biscuit you like, I like a ginger nut biscuit with a black tea. That is a good combination, like a lady grey or an earl grey and a ginger nut biscuit, like the really hard ones would break your teeth if you don't dunk, dunk them. I think that's probably your best biscuit tea pairing. Uh, and uh, Steve says, if someone says it is what it is, then what is it? It is the same thing that you can make in New York. If you can make in New York, you can make it anywhere. And it is what it is. Harrison asks, what is the best advice you can give to somebody who wants to tell their story? Uh, tell it, I guess. If you want to tell your story, then tell your story. Um, start at the beginning, go to the middle, go to the end, read it out loud, see if it makes sense, show it to friends, find an opportunity. Um, I don't have a better answer than that. Uh, how do UK audiences dif in, differ in their responses to your stand-up show? Tim Ferguson, ah, famous comedian Tim Ferguson of the Doug Anthony All-Stars asks, how do UK audiences differ in their response to your stand-up show? From, I assume, Australian or uh, American audiences. I think UK audiences are less... Uh, uh, they have fewer assumptions about me. I think, maybe because of the way that I talk is less recognisable to them. Um, I sound prissy in Australia or prissier than I do in the UK, so I don't have to work against that um, tall poppy syndrome, which doesn't exist as much here in the UK. They, they don't have the tall poppy syndrome. They have more of a kind of a, a class system and the various hang-ups that exist there, but I sort of fall outside that system. So I get to be an outsider in a way that makes things easier. Maybe it's just being an outsider makes it easier. People are more willing to go along with things. Um, and they have a, a sort of an enjoyment of that, like, particularly silly wittiness that I think Australia's can, Australian audiences can think of as a bit pretentious or self-indulgent. And maybe it is, but uh, UK audiences are more open to that. So there is that. Um, and I should probably wrap this up. We're coming up to half an hour. Um, 
So I will save some of these questions for the next solo podcast, which will be in four to six weeks, give or take. I hope I have answered your questions. I hope this hasn't been just boring rambling. Let me know what you think. This is the first time I've done like a full-on Q&A um, solo podcast rather than just staring at a wall, uh, staring at my computer. So if you have any uh, questions or suggestions, alicerfraser at gmail.com or patreon.com slash alicefraser or at alliterative on Twitter, other places to go and to contact me. And also I will be doing the live bugle on the 18th of January, which is Thursday which is, you know, in two days in London if you want to go to that. I think there are st still some tickets available. Thank you, everyone, who came to the Soho show and Results so Soho show, in which I was playing all sorts of silly bit parts. Uh, thank you to the person who threw a flamingo at me. Not a real one, a fluffy one. And just generally, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, let me know if there are particular guests that you would like me to have on. Tweet them, tweet me, tweet, 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 etc. Uh, if you feel like making an angry comment on the internet today, don't. Just just save it till the next day. If you still feel like making it then, make it then. I guess that's a piece of advice that you didn't ask for. But I hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. I've enjoyed answering your questions. Um, I hope I've answered them sufficiently well. See you next week. Bye.
hands up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lolly rifle, lolly rifle, lolly rifle.